Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Robin Walters Show today. We've got a full program, as always, a little bit of a different program today. I'm going to include a a teaching of sorts or a bit of an instruction as to how to defeat, if you will, leftists in a debate, people who hate Christianity in a debate, and the tools are going to come from Scripture, of course. We're going to learn what Jesus did, and we can do that too. It's going to be kind of exciting, actually. First of all, I want to mention that uh, last week we had some a few glitches, and we went to a different computer program to produce the program. However, we are going to be making a conversion over to that newer program, which sends the program out to those who are on the email blast list in a little higher, uh, what's the word, a little higher capacity, if you will. Uh, it's going to be a, a clearer program. It's going to be a little enhanced audio. It'll make no difference to those listening to the podcast, no difference to those listening on conventional radio stations, only those who are on the email blast list, which if you'd like to get the program via an email blast, you certainly can, and you just simply have to write to me at robinwaltershow at gmail.com, and uh, we can add you. Just know that in the future, this program is going to come out on that blast list with a little higher punch to it as far as audio quality, if you will, but it may, it makes for a bigger load, and some people may have a little harder time downloading it. But I'll tell you right now, if this is a way that you plan to get the program in the future, just know that when you get it, you click on the attachment, the embedded link. The link is going to show a black screen with a little button where you can listen. But if that doesn't work, in the upper right corner will be a download button. So you'll be able to download the program. It's just going to be a little different way. Again, that's only for those who are on our email blast list. And if you want to be on it and get it that way as opposed to a podcast or off from the website, which is robinwalter.net, um, or if you're listening to uh, us on one of the radio stations that we broadcast on, it makes no difference. But that's the change that's coming, just so a little bit of a heads up there. Next... I wanted to just drop back a couple of months. It was a couple of months ago that I mentioned how Barack Obama could become president of the United States without any vote involved. And at that time, there was no such person popping his head up by the name of Gavin Newsom. And I did that program, uh, well, maybe not fully six months or six um, two months ago, but maybe six or seven weeks ago. I'm not exactly sure. And what I said was you have to find a way to get rid of Cami Harris, whether she is taken out, whether she is intimidated and forced out, whether she is bought out. But you have to get rid of her. You can't get rid of Joe Biden. Then in comes Barack Obama. 
is appointed, then uh, Joey Biden exits either via the 25th Amendment or he decides that uh, he has to resign because somebody tells him he's bonkers and he actually believes that person and, uh, and comprehends the admonition, at which time then Barack Obama would become president and he appoints whoever he wants as vice president. Uh, that is the process. That is the process. The question is, who are the players? And so at the time that I said that, I focused on Obama because he was or is presumed to be the savior of the Democrat Party. However, obviously, Obama could only serve until 2024, and then he couldn't run again. Now, he could turn it over at that time uh, to somebody like Gavin Newsom, but Gavin Newsom is obviously making a play for this. There's no question but what he's running for president now. He's picking fights with uh, Ron DeSantis, presumably or presumptively the uh, Republican candidate, if it's not Trump. It's one or the other at this point. So he's, he's picking a fight, and by picking a fight, he's getting the publicity that he needs to be able to quickly vault ahead of anybody else that might be thinking about it. Forget Elizabeth Warren. Forget Hillary Clinton. Forget a pack of losers. We, you go to the telegenic Newsom, who's awful. He's like Obama in the sense that he's, he's telegenic, he's got a certain, a certain charisma, and that's great in a good person. Charisma is horrible in a bad person. What, what, what would you want? A demon-possessed Gavin Newsom who can smile or an Obama who can smile while he s sends you down the river or up the river? Or would you rather have a very untelegenic uh, imitation of Nikita Khrushchev pounding his shoe on the table at the U.N.? Well, everybody's going to go for the first one. It's how JFK got elected, right? On TV, they love beautiful hair. Oh, he's nice looking. And you got the women who are lost and the guys who couldn't differentiate politically between good and bad. And Nixon appeared to be good at that time, although JFK today would be a Republican. If he were alive and didn't have a, any change in views, he'd, he would be in the Republican Party. But we are so lost as a country. As they once said by a Czech philosopher, well, Barack Obama isn't the problem because he can only serve so long. You can get rid of him because he will be gone constitutionally eventually. What you can't get rid of are all the people who voted for him. And that's what concerns me about Gavin Gruesome, the one who wants to make abortion tourism one of the new uh, aspects of the California economy and who is also now pledging to basically make California the transgender uh, child mutilating capital of the United States in gender surgeries where the children get mutilated. Don't blame them don't blame the Muslims for genital mutilation when you got Gavin Grusom on the scene. Could he become president? Absolutely he could become president, because that's how screwed up and how lost the people of the United States are by the majority of them. Could Trump return? As I mentioned about three weeks ago, yes, but he's got a challenge, and his biggest challenge is himself. And by that I mean Nebuchadnezzar, pointed by God, handpicked by God, 
to perform a function, just like Trump handpicked. But it didn't really matter Trump's beliefs from a spiritual standpoint. You can be picked by God to perform a certain function, like Cyrus. He supported the Jews, but he was a heathen. He was a pagan. So was Nebuchadnezzar. But God took Nebuchadnezzar out when Nebuchadnezzar uh, was lifted up in pride. And unless Trump humbles himself, he's a goner. He will not be the Republican candidate. And maybe he's not supposed to be. Now we move on to DeSantis before we get on to the real stories of today. But maybe this is the real story. So DeSantis is in his first term of office. In Florida, you can run for two terms. So he will be up for election next year, 2023, at which time he could run and be in office until 2027, and then he's termed out. But an interesting feature of the Florida Constitution is that you're only termed out for one term. You could then turn around and run again at some point, which would be 2031, for another two terms. That's the way I understand the Florida Constitution. So while I love Ron DeSantis, my thought so far has been, if Trump humbles himself, let him run. Because God restored Nebuchadnezzar to power, and if God, like with Nebuchadnezzar, reappointed him after he humbled himself, he would do the same maybe with Trump. That's the biblical paradigm. But with Trump in place, it leaves DeSantis in, a, in an important governor's position should the country split and secede with uh, what I've said or what I say are probably 17 states that would get up and get gone, which I've been saying now ad nauseum for about 15 years. But it's going to happen. So not an if, it's when. And there's a biblical pattern for that, which we will cover again in detail in an upcoming program very soon. So would I choose DeSantis? Well, it depends who's running, who he's running against. If it's against Newsom, then probably so. If by some incredible stretch of one's imagination, some old double two-time loser like Hillary reemerges or somebody like Elizabeth Warren, let Trump go at him and decimate him. But who knows? Uh, hard to say at this point. It's still a ways away. Uh, Trump could be taken out for health reasons just because of his age. Something could disqualify him. Gavin Newsom could go down in a plane crash. Uh, I probably would not attend that funeral. Uh, does he need to get saved? Yeah, he needs to get saved. But uh, until then, uh, I don't want him as president. He would be the worst president. He's going to make he's going to make Biden look conservative, who made Obama look conservative, who made Clinton look conservative, who made Jimmy Carter look conservative. You see, when you're a democrat, demons don't get better; they just get worse. They get bolder, and that's what we would have. And would I? I, I sh- shudder to think of Newsom as president and imposing imposing California and it's screwed up no morality evil morality upon the rest of the country if he if he emerges I want to be in that part of the country that leaves the country and uh, maybe that's when it happens now 
Uh, moving along here, uh, just a couple of quick things before we get to the topic of the day. We it started. It has started Emory College, supposedly a Christian college in Georgia, affiliated with the United Methodist Church. Uh, the question really is, is the United Methodist Church affiliated with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Uh, what I've seen from them is they are just one more denomination walking the path in the race to hell with the Episcopalians, United Church of Christ, Presbyterian Church USA, all those that are losing members, hemorrhaging people at an alarming rate as they go woke and think that somehow to win the world over to Jesus Christ, they got to become more like the devil. Uh, hard to figure out that mentality, but the devil has infected those denominations as we now have, what, 106 different Methodist churches just in Florida that are trying to get out of the denomination with their property. But the Democrats inside the United Methodist Church are holding them hostage by saying you have to pay us millions if you want to get up and get gone. Well, Emory College, a supposed Christian college, now is allowing students uh, starting this fall to pick their gender, pick their pronouns, tell us what you want to be called. And we think it's so great to be so inclusive. And they come out and say, where do we get the idea? From the students. Well, guess what kind of pastors those students will be? Losers, minions of the devil himself. And the gutlessness in Christian circles is just, I'll tell you, it's heart-wrenching, heartbreaking. It's exasperating. I don't want people trying to fight a spiritual battle that do not have spiritual fortitude. If they don't have it, just get out of the way. Just let leave the battle to Jonathan and his armor-bearer. Leave the battle to 11 of the 12 disciples. Uh, leave the battle to the Davids of the world. They'll, they'll bring out others. And I have said this a number of times. But I would rather have a, on my side, I would rather have some old, crusty, swear-like-a-drunken-sailor who knows basic morality on abortion and queer this and tranny that, who gets that right, doesn't know Jesus. I'd rather have that individual on my side, like the bunch of misfits that, that were part of David's band when he was on the lamb from Saul. He had a bunch of malcontents that made up his band. Not exclusively, but they were a significant number, and David didn't turn them away. I'd rather have that swear-like-a-drunken-sailor, crusty old cowboy who knows basic right from wrong than some Episcopalian, Methodist, or United Church of Christ, or Presbyterian who can quote the Westminster Confession but is out there marching around in an LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ parade and then pushing for abortion and all of that crapola. But the ones that are fearful, get them out of the way. It takes me to Deuteronomy, the first passage of the day. Deuteronomy 20, verse 8. And the officers shall speak unto the people and shall say, what man is there that is fearful? What man is there that is faint-hearted? Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren's heart faint 
as well as his heart. You see, this is why God, well, for two reasons, but we touched on this a bit back. God wasn't going to share his glory with man. And Gideon had way too many, right? 32,000. And they sent 22,000 packing, but 10,000 was still too many. So it went from 32,000 to 10,000, 10,000 to 300. But the but part of that reason, the part of the story we kind of overlook is the fact that besides God not sharing his glory with man, is the damage that uncommitted, fearful, supposed Christians will have on the rest of the body. So if you've got a church of 50 people and you've got 10 Ten are fearful. They're afraid. They don't have the guts. They're more concerned with what man thinks about them than what God thinks about them. You need to lose them. They need to go. And and you need the, the, the bush, the tree, will not produce bigger, more abundant fruit unless what? It's pruned. And sometimes churches have to be pruned. Hard to do. You don't want to lose people. But lose people that either are compromising, more fearful of man, or or are just simply fearful, period. Now, in this case, in Deuteronomy, they were fearful of man, but they were fearful of man and faint-hearted because they were fearful for their life. Today, they're more fearful of their social life. They're more fearful of losing contacts and losing the uh, approval and all of that of other people. Well, look who they're getting the approval of. Do I really honestly care if I have Nancy Pelosi's approval or some loser preacher down the road? No. The fact of the matter, when that part of the world thinks well of me, I should be concerned. I'm not out to make enemies. Not out to make and And when a man's ways please God, he will cause... Those uh, uh, man and God to give him, him well, he'll a favor with man and God. That's the way the passage reads. But it doesn't mean we go out to court the favor of those who are essentially lawless within the body of Christ, little antichrist, because the antichrist is the lawless one. Scripture says there's a lot of little antichrists, little lawless ones, ones who will not support the law of God because they want the approval of man, are fearful of man. So get rid of them. What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let them go. Don't try to retain them. And let them return to their own household, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. You see, bad or fearful or cowardice or compromising people in the body of Christ are worse and cause more damage from the inside than the devil does from the outside. Got that? Okay. Moving right along. Well, the demon credits are added again. Here we go. They're just now announcing the distribution of another 800,000 doses of monkeypox. Are we headed towards the lockdown? Is this now they're upping the mask mandates in California and other places in New York? Are we beginning the lockdown process, beginning it, so that they can then go back to their ballot stealing 
election fraud tactics that worked last time in 2020. And if you don't think this elect, the last election was stolen from Trump, uh, you got to watch 2,000 mules. You don't watch it. You don't know what you're talking about. But is that where we are? Is that where they're headed? They're going back to extreme conditions to maintain control, and the maintenance of the control is what will allow for other elections this fall to now be stolen. Are they going to use the monkeypox for that? Like, look, the monkeypox, I haven't heard anybody die from it. So you get fever, you get chills, you get whatever. But it, it, is it because they found that the pandemics work, but you can't keep using the same pandemic. you got to have a different one. And when you run out of pandemics, we will be up to what I have said for years is going to be the ultimate consummate strategy to acquire control and power over the whole world, the emergency of the existential climate change problem, which, if you didn't hear last week's program, you have to hear it because I cover in detail why the climate change agenda is nothing but smoke, mirrors, and better known as crapola. Absolute crapola and the biblical passages that prove that it's crapola. All right? Well, the monkeypox. And and who does it really affect? It affects primarily a bunch of queer guys. Right? I mean, that's those are the ones, not exclusively, but if you just shut down the queer bars, the queer massage parlors, maybe don't let queers come into the country if you want to control it. If you don't have people come in that have, don't have, we didn't have uh, travel opened up to those who had the coronavirus coming from overseas. Well, don't let the queers come in. They're going to spread the monkeypox, right? Well, that's who, they don't like to, admit that, that that's really who it is affecting and who spreads it. It is a piece, I might add, right out of Romans 1. Romans 1, which says, you know what, I should just quote it. That in the, in the it says that there are those who will profess themselves to be wise, they become fools. It says, God will give them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who change the truth of God into a lie, and that God will give them up to vile affections. And guess what? God goes on to describe vile affections. For even, interesting, for even their women change the natural use into that which is against nature. It's interesting. So God is saying, that lesbianism is even a little more unusual and difficult to tolerate than homosexuality among men. For some reason, God says, for even their women. Like, okay, so the men are the men turn queer, but even their women are doing this. Well, that goes back to a whole issue with Noah and Ham, which uh, I don't have time to cover here. That would be too much of a digression. But God goes on to say, God goes on to say, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is shameful or unseemly, and the big and, and 
receiving in themselves, meaning in their body, the penalty of their sin, which was due, which was appropriate. AIDS is, in fact, a penalty for queer behavior. Monkeypox is yet now another consequence of queer behavior. It's a penalty. It's a it's something that is due them based on their behavior. It's what the Bible says. Go argue with God. Don't argue with me. Go beat up Paul if you can find him. He's the one who wrote it under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So do you have to be afraid of monkeypox? No. No. Not at all. Just ah sheesh. All right, we got to get moving here. Bowser, D.C. Mayor, Muriel Bowser. You know, D.C. just has had a long line of losers. Sorry. And people say, oh, that's racist. Well, it isn't racist. It just had, they've had a long line of loser mayors. It's a loser city. They vote in losers. And the losers aren't confined to the citizens and residents of D.C. The losers also include a good portion of if not the bulk of the government, Congress, in this case the presidency, the administration, the gone woke DOJ, DHS, FBI, IRS, the wokesters that occupy that city. It's a hellhole. But Bowser, the big fan of Joe Biden, the big fan of let in the illegals. Now she wants... She doesn't want just help with the illegals overrunning the city by the form of increasing police, because after all, she wanted them defunded. She wants the National Guard. She wants it. It's so bad, she wants the National Guard on permanent assignment to control the problem with all of the illegals in D.C. Why can these libtards not understand or ever even admit They have victimized themselves by their own stupidity and and leftist wokeism. One other thing, got to get these things out. Tucker Carlson, as Joseph Farah said, probably the most courageous man in all of America right now, and he is. It's close between him and DeSantis. But you see, DeSantis can't really be bounced out of office. He's in office. Tucker could be bounced off the air. If you have not seen the July 25th episode of Tucker Carlson called Big Pharma Lies, it is a must, 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 must see or hear both and download it. If, if, if you've got a system that allows you to download that program, keep it on your desktop, your phone, so you can send it around. You have to, have to listen to that program. You will never take another stinking shot, authorized, mandated by the NIH, WHO, Fauci, Schmauchi. You will not. They've, they've blown all credibility. Liars through and through. If they say you must take it, you now know you must not take it. As we now know, guess what? What? Gee, what a surprise. Not for me, because I didn't take the stupid shot. Sorry, I'm not maligning those of you who did. 
God can protect you, says if you drink any poison or something that will not harm you, maybe you can claim that one, maybe not. But if you have had the jab, if you've got the slab of the jab, you have an 80% greater chance of contracting coronavirus than those who never got vaccinated. And that's only the beginning of the heightened probability of uterine cancer, menstrual problems, childbearing problems. The problems are all over. Uh, sadly, you believed a lie, and I feel badly and sadly for you. But do not take another one. Do not take the booster. Joe boosted, what, four times and he gets it? Huh. Don't go away. We got so much to cover. We're going to come back about with a little piece on queer marriage. Then we're going to get rolling about how you can defeat libtards in a debate. The Robin Malter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to The Robin Walter Show, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Or go to robinwalter.net and use PayPal. That's The Robin Walter Show. P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358, or robinwalter.net and use PayPal. Thank you. Just take those old records off the shelf. I said, listen to them by myself. We're back. This is the Robin Walter Show. I mentioned before the break that I had something dealing with queer marriage. We came back, and this is going to factor into the uh, and be a part of the program dealing with the inevitable secession. A real problem, a real concern, uh, what's coming is not recession, it's secession. But anyway, so we had 47 House Republicans, rhinos, Winos, wino rhino, fakes, 47 House Republicans who voted to make a, a federal law permanently establishing, by federal law, queer marriage in the United States. Permanent to make a law in the House. And now we have five Republican senators who said they're going to go along with the permanent, the imposition, not just by the Supreme Court, but by federal law of queer marriage. And the Senate, there needs to, to defeat the filibuster, they actually need five more votes. But what a bunch of losers. What? How many of these Republicans have stood for biblical marriage in the past only because they're afraid of their own electoral tush? Are they now going to weenie out and throw in the towel on queer marriage and help assure 
the demise of the United States. I will tell you, a bad Republican is worse than a bad Democrat, because all Democrats are bad. We know that. That's part of their definition. That's why we call them Democrats. But when Republicans fake it to try to stay in Washington or whatever they do, those who know better, like the like the tribe of Judah, when it turned bad, God judged them more harshly than the other tribes, which were very bad also. But Judah knew better. God said, "You're Judah, you're worse than all the nations around you that I threw out. And because you knew better, but sought out the evil and and have actually in, uh, encouraged the evil in the land, I will judge you more harshly. So I will tell you, it'll be the end of the Republican Party pretty soon, and doggone it, maybe it ought to be. The answer is not in the Libertarian Party, because they support queer marriage. They do. They just they say, hey, keep the government out of everything. But they'd also support secession, where the, the states get to go do whatever it is that they want to do. But it's toast. If five more senators do it, it's, it's toast. Although that does not mean that there will not be Supreme Court cases about it, that it's still not a state matter, and, and it shouldn't be a federal matter, but a state matter. I do not know that the federal government has the authority to mandate queer marriage. I don't think the federal government has that authority. Where is that in the Constitution that they have authority to say that queers can get married? The Supreme Court didn't have the authority, just like they didn't have the authority to mandate the uh, imposition of abortion, and the court tossed that out. I'll tell you right now, we have only a few justices on the Supreme Court standing between us and utter chaos and the ultimate descent into spiritual, political, and cultural oblivion. And you can say goodbye to the United States. Doesn't mean we're in the tribulation. Just means goodbye to us. That's why the fearful, it supposedly in the word in the uh, in, in the body, got to get out of the way. Let's get down to the three hundred. Get down to the Jonathan and the armor bearer. Okay. So how do you defeat a leftist, a libtard in a debate? I want to start with, and I may not even finish this today. I may have to finish it next week. But I want to suggest there are a couple of things. If you consider yourself a warrior, if you consider yourself a champion, or you want to be, you want to, having done all to stand, you need to stand. How do you do that? Well, it starts with eliminating two phrases from your vocabulary. Now, there are times to use these, and you'll know that there's a time to use these two phrases because they're harmless in their particular context. So if somebody has said, where do you want to eat tonight? No, I'll get to that in a minute. The phrases are, I think and I feel. I think and I feel. You've got to lose both of them generally have to go. they got to be eliminated from your lexicon for most circumstances. I don't give a rat's rear end what people think. And they say, well, I think this. And I think, well, everybody thinks something. I mean, are, 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 you, are you like one of in the far side cartoon of two, 2,000 penguins out there, which are all identical, and one of them is singing, I just want to be me? He wants to be individual. 
and he can't because he looks just like everybody else? Well, we, we all have individual characteristics. So what you think is just really not important unless you think like God. If you think like God and you say, I think this way because God says this, that's an okay statement. But just to, just to mouth off what you feel while everybody else is mouthing off what they feel, who cares? I don't. Followed up by I feel. I don't really care about other people. Well, I just feel like this is the way that we should govern, or I just feel like a person should be able to, to do what they want in their own bedroom. right? I just feel that way. Oh, I don't really care what you feel. I feel and I think. Now, there's a, is there a time and place for it? You say, well, yeah. Where do you want to eat tonight? This is what I was getting to. Well, you know what? I had Mexican last night. I just feel I, I, I'm feeling like Italian tonight or something. I'm feeling like a burger. I'm feeling like a double cheeseburger. That's okay. That's what you feel like. Maybe your body is telling you that whatever you feel like is some nutritional deficiency that now you have a hankering for that particular thing. The other night, I wanted lima beans. I felt like lima beans. Why? I don't know. I'm probably one out of a 100 that like lima beans, but the lima beans must have had something in them that my body was lacking. I get it. Sort of like a woman's craving when she's pregnant. That's the closest I can get to identifying with that. But strike, I think, and I feel, because here's why. Imagine if Jesus started out any discourse, any discourse, with, well, I think that what you disciples should do. Uh, well, I feel, uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, I feel like, well, I feel like this. You know what? When you say, I think or I feel... It, you're saying, I have no authority. All I have are emotions. I don't have the guts to say, speak the word of God, so I'm just going to talk about myself. I'm to disqualify myself from having any meaningful impact in this conversation because I'm going to marginalize myself with the pronoun I. If you want to replace some pronouns out there, replace I with God. God thinks. God does this. God said that. But you say, uh, when you say I, you have just stripped yourself of all authority in the conversation. Now, you are a fearful one who's faint-hearted, who needs to get up and go home because you're going to now take down, neutralize other Christians that might be in the conversation, who then say, well, I feel this, and so everybody can feel the way they want. If they don't stand up for God, you're, you are part of the problem. You're not the answer. Strike it from your lexicon. I couldn't be stronger on this. You have deauthorized yourself if you're using those words. That's right. You see, there's no topic that's a relevant topic that the Word of God does not have an answer to. So when you speak only of your own thoughts, your own feelings, or what you think, you have delegitimized yourself. You've made the word of God of no effect because you haven't even brought it into the conversation. Don't get into a conversation where you're having it with some homosexual, or you're having it with somebody who's pro-abortion, or somebody who hates Christ, somebody who's an atheist. Forget the I think, I feel, because all they got to say is I think, I feel. Now, what? guess what? It's a draw. And in a tie, the devil wins. In a tie, the devil will always win. Understand that. 
because you can't prevail. We've come, we're pointed to destroy the works of the devil, but in a tie, that means he's still alive, right? If it's a tie, the devil wins. Do not strip yourself of the authority God has tried to give you, or otherwise, if you're tempted to do so, get up and go home and stay out of the conversation and don't trouble others who would be otherwise tempted to speak up for the Word of God, but now they look and hear and see one of their brothers or sisters weenie out, fake it out, and go soft and south on an issue because they don't want to be challenged or challenge the party who's challenging them. They don't want to stand. So having done all to stand, now you compromise? What's the point of the 10, 20, 30 years of Bible training just a weenie out in the face of the enemy? You're not suited for the kingdom of God. You're, you, you, you might as well be the one putting your hand to the plow and looking back. Looking back to what? A safe place to run to away from the conflict. I'll tell you, the devil will chase you down till you end up having to come. You end up having to deny or confess Jesus before man. The devil will take you to that spot because he's got you on the ropes. So now, how to defeat? Let's start with one thing. If you, I'm not saying you have to bring God's word directly into conversation, but one thing that you can do is you can make a point of quoting other people. So you don't want to say, I think or I feel, but let's take you up a notch. Now that you know you can't do that, but your your fear level is not totally gone trying to build you up here, start by quoting somebody else, not yourself. Because I don't care what you think or feel unless you think what God thinks. And feelings, yeah, whatever. They come and go. But quote a third party. I use this example, but I think it's a good one. Benjamin Franklin said that um, for one who will exchange liberty for a little bit of security is worthy of neither. He who will exchange a little bit or will exchange their liberty for a little bit of security is worthy of neither. So if you're in a conversation where people are selling out their soul, to get a government check or they'll do anything the government wants or take the shot to keep the job, to I'll get the jab for the job. Whatever it is that they're doing, they're selling their liberty one right at a time, one constitutional amendment at a time, to thinking that if they compromise enough, they will assure themselves security. Well, they will for a little tiny bit, but the devil will come back and demand more. In this example, don't you don't have to say, well, I feel like if you just if you give up some of your freedom here for security, what security do we have? You don't have to say that. Quote Franklin. Quote a third party. Well, it said, well, like Benjamin Franklin said, somebody who is obviously far wiser than the person you're talking to, like Moses said, like King David said, like Solomon said, I just want to mention about Solomon because Solomon is widely reputed to be the wisest man that ever lived short of Jesus. So like Solomon said, quote a third party. Sneak the word of God into the conversation and let them have an issue with Solomon, with Moses, with Ben Franklin, with Josiah, 
ultimately with Jesus. Do that. I, I do it all the time. You've deflected it, but you're building your way towards bringing in the Word of God. So, let's get to that. Now, there are times when the Word needs to be brought into the conversation directly. But I want to go to a biblical passage which will make the point. Did, then that is, how did Jesus defeat and by defeating, I mean he brought them to silence, the enemies of the kingdom of God, in a discussion, in a debate. He used questions. He used questions. Things such as, uh, who, who, does, who, do, who do men say that I am? Who do, who does, who does, who do men say that I am? Um, he asked that of the disciples. Um, which tell me which one of these servants did the will of his father? The one who said, um, who was asked to, to do something and said yes, I'll do it, and then doesn't do it, or the one who says yes, I'll do it, but then he doesn't do it. Which one? You see, Jesus used questions, and the whole point of this is that when you use questions, you get to do something that the left has been doing successfully. Forever, you get to frame the debate. You frame the debate. This is why we've been losing debates, because we have losers, leftist libtards like Mike Wallace, asking the questions. Sort of like, well, have you stopped beating your wife yet? Well, if you answer yes, you're screwed. If you say no, you're screwed. If they frame the debate, they get the answer they want. It's why they win these debates. You see, we spend a lot of time in churches talking about the substance of what Jesus said and the disciples in the epistles, and that's, that's critically important, the substance. But we never talk about Jesus' methodology. There's substance, and then there's process. What process did Jesus use? What was his methodology? And how does he? And you see, the sinners, the the woman caught in adultery, the woman who had five husbands, and the one she's living with now. These people lost in sin were ones who would fall at Jesus' feet, but the hypocrites, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they did not do that. No, they never did that. The, what Jesus did was bring them to silence. He silenced them through questions that they couldn't answer. That's the best you can do with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, all of many of which are in the Democrat Party, but frankly, they're spreading at an alarming rate in the Republican Party, and I'm more concerned about the Sadducees and the Pharisees in the Republican Party because those are the ones who know better. They know the answer. They're trying to get out of being put in a vice, and so they compromise. The Democrats are lost. The Sadducees and the Pharisees in that party used to exist, but there aren't very many left. They're just simply all evil. But now the hypocrites are showing up in the Republican Party. When you frame the question, instead of Mike Wallace framing the question, you get to frame the debate. And how does Jesus do this? If you go to Matthew 21, and this is a teaching passage for today, Matthew 21 Verses 22 through 27. 
Jesus says, uh, starting with verse 23 through 27, it said, And when Jesus was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the temple came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority do you do these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said unto them, Well, I will also ask you one thing, a question, which if you can tell me, then I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Whence was it? Where did it come from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did you not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all people hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And Jesus said unto them, na 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 No, he didn't say that. He said, Well, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. Same to you and more of it. Did they fall down and repent? No. They were brought to silence. Jesus silenced them. And that's the best that you can do, but you will win the debate through silence. And some will be intrigued by your answer and their inability to answer your questions. So how does this, how does this uh, work out? Well, I've got a bunch of examples. I don't have time for all of them. But I'm going to take, use the issue of abortion Why? because I was, I was pressed in my office one time by two legal secretaries. I was the only person out of all the legal secretaries and all of the lawyers, I was the only one that was an outspoken proponent of pr the pro-life movement. I was outspokenly against the slaughter of uh, unborn children. And they came in and said, we want to know. We want to know. Tell us why you oppose abortion. In reference to this passage and the teaching that I got from it, I said to them, I will answer your question. If you will answer this question. If, but if you can't answer this question, I'm not going to answer your question. Okay, what's your question? I said, tell me. Answer this question. Tell me with what part of this statement do you disagree? See, Jesus used declarations. The, my father said this when speaking of the word of God, but when he was doing battle with man, which he always won, he used questions. I said, tell me with what part of the statement do you disagree? Abortion is the intentional, purposeful killing of innocent, unborn human life. They left. They went and reasoned among themselves. I couldn't believe it. They left my office. They went out to their office, just like the Sadducees and the Pharisees went apart to reason among themselves apart from Jesus. And they came back in and they said, well, we don't know for a fact that it's life. And I said, well, if it's not life, then why do you have to kill it? I said, oh, look, I don't, I, you know, I don't have to get out a gun and shoot my refrigerator. It's an inanimate object. I've had a lawnmower or two that I've wanted to shoot, but you don't you don't kill inanimate objects. So they they go back out, they come back in, and I think I've shared this before. They came back and said, "Well, we don't know, but what the child is innocent because." And I said, "What?" They said, "Because maybe the child committed a horrific crime in a previous life." These are two otherwise sane, supposedly college-educated women who 
went to Nutsville to answer the question. And I simply said, well, the, as I understand the Constitution, you can't be killed unless you there's proof beyond a reasonable doubt. So I'm trying to figure out how you can get to proof beyond a reasonable doubt that a child in the womb committed a horrific crime in a previous life. Do you think you could prove that? No. They left. End of story. Then I said, well, I never had to answer them. That's why I was pro-life. You can do this all all the time. I mean, people say, well, well why don't you approve of, of a gay marriage? And I said, well, I will answer the question with a question. Well, well, tell me this. Tell me which parent doesn't matter. What do you mean? Which parent doesn't matter? Look, if a, if a woman is divorced, she can remarry. If a man is a widower, he can remarry. There's always a possibility and opportunity for a male and a female parents for children. But when you got queer marriage, that's impossible. So tell me which parent, the mother or the father, never matters. Because you can't have both in a queer marriage. They can't answer the question. Unless they want to sound stupid and just say, well, the, the women are not necessary. Well, hey. <laughs> Tell that to women. Well, the, the the fathers are not necessary. Well, we see what happens when fathers aren't present. You got a lot of extra homosexual children without strong fathers, and you have a lot of kids that are in gangs because they're being raised in fatherless homes. But they won't be able to answer that question. They say, and they'll say, well, what do you, what do you, what? They say, well, how can you be against uh, gay marriage because gay marriage is legal, Mister Walder? Is it not? Is not gay marriage legal? And I say, well, I'll answer that question for you. If you can answer your, this question, tell me, is it legal? And, and forgive me because I'm harsh in this area, but I've got to make the point harshly with them. Tell me, is it legal for me to screw my neighbor's wife? Sorry, that's the way I say it. So I got to get home with these people. Somebody to be ruthless. Well, the answer, of course, is yes. It is legal for me to have sex with my neighbor's wife. But so, they're trying to prove the morality of queer marriage by its legality. They're trying to use legality to establish morality. And when you ask the question that I ask them, tell me, is it, is it legal for me to screw my neighbor's wife? They can see that you cannot use legality to establish morality because even they will say... No, that's not right, but it is legal. But that's the means that they're using to establish their morality is to first try to establish the legality. I've got more to share on this. I wish I had time uh, because there's so many examples. You could, I, I'll just throw out one more. I said, well, what do you think, Mr. So-and-so, about the January 6th insurrection? Your answer? Answer it with a question. Say, well, I will answer that question if you can answer this question. Could you give me the definition of insurrection so that I can properly answer your question because I want to answer your question? Well, they might say, well, that's what happened on January 6th. No, 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 tell me what happened. On, give me the definition of insurrection because you're using it in your question. 
They don't know the question. They don't know the answer. They just take, they just take what the media says and says that's what it is. Well, then you say, well, no, you you can't answer that. Then I can't answer your question because your question supposes that it's an insurrection. The definition of an insurrection is a violent armed overthrow of the government. Is that what you mean? Is that what you mean? Pound them with questions. You will defeat them. Eventually, you can get to the Word of God. More on this next week. Remember, sit tall in the saddle. You ride for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon.